Step Inside the Briefing Room, Wisconsin's Law Enforcement Podcast, with your host, Wisconsin Fraternal Order of Police President, Ryan Windorf. Welcome to Episode 1 of The Briefing Room, Wisconsin's Law Enforcement Podcast, where we talk about issues important to officers, their careers, and their families. We're going to dive right into it today and talk about an issue that's often avoided, officer suicide. We're going to talk about the work that is being done to address the issue right here in Wisconsin and what you can do to support these efforts. With us today, we have Mike Crum from the Center for Suicide Awareness. Mike is going to talk about what they do uh, as a center and some important initiatives they're working on with law enforcement in Wisconsin. So, First of all, welcome, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today and uh, talk to our audience about the important work that you guys do and uh, kind of some updates on what's going on. So uh, if you want to start out, just kind of tell us a little bit about the Center for Suicide Awareness. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, the Center for Suicide Awareness, we are a nonprofit organization out of Kekana, Wisconsin. That's our home base, but we work throughout the state really to talk about suicide this taboo word out there that you know is is uncomfortable but we know that it affects anybody from any population whether you're talking about youth uh, military law enforcement first responders fire ems um, this um, thing called suicide we we talk about it and we go into different places and have difficult conversations. Uh, Barb Bogalki, the founder, is former law enforcement um, crisis negotiator and, and those kind of things. So from her experiences of how people were kind of, you know, showing up at a suicide, just didn't know how to talk to a family, didn't know how to address it or what happens afterwards. And Barb started the center to try to help individuals affected by suicide. And from there, she created the Hope Line, which is a crisis text support number for um, for individuals. And um, for the last seven or eight years, that's what we've been doing. I came on board in 2015 as an intern, and I'm still doing the work at the center. Um, we also to a lot of community events. We have a former law enforcement officer, um, Aaron, who does a lot of work in in the video game world, which is kind of interesting. Talk about video gaming and mental health, but that also equates to um, veterans who use video gaming as you know maybe self-care, or maybe I'm just gonna um, forget about everything and just play this video game and not, not not deal with my mental health trauma and, and those kind of things. So that's kind of interesting. And then um, we have um, a nurse who works in our jail system. So she brings a different perspective of how we can work with individuals who work in the jail systems. And, um, you know, a, a lot of our other staff work in different populations to where we can say, we don't just talk about this stuff. We we come from the same areas, and um, that really helps us kind of get our foot in the door with our shared experiences and, and those kind of things. So we 
we are approached a lot to talk about suicide, to do training, to go into schools, to go into different business organizations. And it's really powerful to have people share their stories. And that's that's what we're all about. So the Center for Suicide Awareness is, I mean, it's not just for law enforcement or, or military, but I, I think, you know, the, the founder, obviously, uh, former law enforcement, and you do have law enforcement on staff. So um, it, it certainly has uh, a nexus to law enforcement in, in, in a, a guided mission towards that. So uh, t- tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I understand you're not, you weren't law enforcement, but, uh, but you are cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I, um, I was young and didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. So I'm like, why don't I just join the Marine Corps? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, they uh, they helped me grow up really quick. So, um, you know, my experience in the Marines, uh, my brother was a Marine. Both my stepdads are Marines. I've got uh, uh, five uncles who served in the Army and other branches. So I think that military background, plus I serve, I serve, I, I work for the Army National Guard, um, teaching resiliency and a lot of the National Guard members that come in to do training for resiliency and other programs are law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And we we have some pretty interesting conversations about um, the dynamics between law enforcement and military. Um, so although I haven't served as a law enforcement officer, I, I say, you know, I know what it's like to have somebody say, you know, here's a here's this tool. I'm going to put this gun or weapon in your hand and now you have to use it to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I also know what it's like what happens when you take off the uniform and in feeling that loss of purpose, that loss of um, pride, or uh, what do I do with myself now? How do I reinvent myself? And it took me a long time to do that. And that's where I got into this work and really started to find a new, a new purpose and a new mission. So excellent, excellent. Tell us a little bit about the the work you guys are doing uh, at the Center for Suicide Awareness. I know you guys have a, a pilot program out there um, targeted towards resiliency. And, you know, officer wellness is uh, a big topic uh, that is, uh, I mean, and, it, and it's good that it's getting the attention it is, uh, but there's many different aspects to it. So when we talk about resiliency, I guess, first of all, what is resiliency? That's an excellent question. I think there is a lot of stigma behind the word resiliency like what do you what do you mean i'm already resilient i know i know how to deal with my my problems and those kind of things so when we talk about resiliency we're not saying that you're not resilient law enforcement military people are resilient in their own right and we've seen this through covid through um you know other things talk about 9-11 we talk about you know individuals who experience combat we talk about parents you know parents are resilient what you do is resilient every day requires some sort of resiliency how we approach it and thinking about resiliency is what happens when when things just become too much what happens when i'm starting to feel anger all the time, sadness all the time, uh, guilt or shame, or maybe I experienced something. I just, I didn't expect my physical, emotional, spiritual reaction to these things. And now my brain is just kind of stuck in how I move forward. 
and this is where resiliency comes in and where we talk about the, the mental aspect of, you know, how can I deal with unique mental stressors or challenges? Thinking about law enforcement, it's, you know, one day I might be dealing with a car accident scene that, that has a lot of graphic images that most people aren't able to deal with. But if I deal with two or three of those in a week, that's going to add up. Right. Well, and not only that, but I think, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about in law enforcement a lot, too, it's not just one day. You can go from that call and then go to a completely different call where, you know, maybe somebody themselves is going through a difficult time and uh, law enforcement has an encounter with them. Or you could go to, you know, a theft of property. And, you know, so you have to be able to trans transform, I, I guess, from something horrible that any reasonable human being uh, will have to use some resources to process to something completely mundane maybe and i think just the the shock value of of you know switching hats um repeatedly over a week over a month over a career uh in dealing with these things um you know you almost have to tuck them away a little bit and you know i think it's important for them to just say, you know, I have to deal with this just because I have to, I have to, uh, you know, keep a straight face and continue to do my job doesn't mean that that is, is dealt with. And, uh, that trauma is, is over now. I think, you know, and that's where a lot of law enforcement, uh, you know, get into trouble because, uh, they try to compartmentalize that away and never deal with it again, but you have to deal with it. It's going to come up either, now intentionally when you decide i'm gonna i'm gonna deal with this or it's gonna come out later when you're when your glass overfills and, and everything's too much yeah that's an excellent excellent um way to put that and you kind of took the word i was gonna use uh, compartmentalize right like i think everybody has a certain a certain way to compartmentalize stress anxiety trauma and you think about the word trauma Literally, it's broken down into the word uh, wound. It's, it's a wound that happens, whether it's to my, my physical self, my spiritual self, my mental self. It's this thing that happens and creates um, physiology inside of us. And, you know, when that physiology becomes too much, it's too much for my, my brain to process. And then things start to spoil over. So when we think about resiliency, it's saying... How can I have a little bit of self-awareness to ask for help, which can be difficult? And I think the flip end to that, to, to people who might be listening to this, you know, in, in different roles and leadership roles and those kind of things is something that we talk about in the National Guard and military is just fostering that, that unit cohesion, that, that climate that says, if this person asks for help, I'm going to take a step back and be like, what kind of help can I provide you? Not, well, let's deal with it tomorrow, or you'll be okay, or everybody goes through this, or, you know, those kind of in-the-moment responses. And I think sometimes we, we have good intentions to follow up, but then that follow-up never happens. Mm -hmm. And then that leaves that officer to be like, well, if leadership or command or my fellow officer doesn't doesn't care to take this any step further, then then I don't care either. And that's where we see a lot of kind of disconnect in, in 
we, we ask officers to, to ask for help and we ask, you know, even in the military, I see it all the time. People like, well, you told me to ask for help, but I didn't get anything on the back end. So it's really creating that, that whole holistic kind of picture of when somebody does reach out, what's the process, steps, strategies. And that's where resiliency comes in and saying, here are some in the moment skills, 14 skills to help in the moment, because some of that stuff might take a lot of time to process, to go through. Um, and we want to help to make sure that you're efficient, that you can perform, that you can start to talk about trauma and then still be able to show up every day to be productive, to help your community, to not feel guilt or shame or, or um, like you're not um, contributing in a sense. Sure, sure. No, I think it's a great tool to keep officers at their best and to prevent a problem from becoming a bigger problem and becoming, you know, becoming something that is a potential career ender. Talk about a little bit about the pilot program that you guys have been running uh, in different law enforcement agencies and, and what that looks like and some of the feedback you're getting from it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the FBI, so I learned about this through the work that I do. So I, I mentioned that I work as, as uh, with the National Guard, the Wisconsin Army National Guard. My full-time job is uh, a contractor and we teach resiliency. We also teach a lot of suicide intervention courses and uh, deployment cycle resiliency training and um, you know those things to soldiers to be prepared for deployment or combat or other things. Now, depending on the data that you see, um, yeah, I was just talking about this yesterday, at least in the military, we've seen suicides rise as well. Um, and if we talk about law enforcement in itself, you know, I, the, the law enforcement rate for suicide, I think, is higher than than the military. Um, if we look at 2021 alone, you know, we've, we've had at least 133 suicides um, in the U.S. Um, so it's <clears throat> it, it's where resiliency can start talking about one. How do I think about my thinking? And, and really, that's that's the basis, the foundation that comes from research and positive psychology of when I experience this, we call it a, an event, an activating event, my brain is going to create a thought. And from that thought, I'm going to have a certain emotion and reaction. So if I arrive, you know, you know at a domestic violence scene and I'm, I'm seeing somebody who just beat up their spouse, I might have a certain belief about about people and violence or men shouldn't hit women or those kind of things. And if I can't control my physiology or my thoughts, I might overreact or mm -hmm. I might underreact. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I see that over a period of time, um, that's still going to maybe create um, a rigid, a rigid pattern in my thinking. And um, sometimes we jump to conclusions and we don't get all the information first, or sometimes we start to fall into patterns of thinking that are just counterproductive to not just what I do on the job, but to what I do off the job as well, right? If I call my wife and my wife doesn't answer, all of a sudden I'm gonna be like, who's she cheating on me with? Who's she running around with me with? Who's, and I'm like, maybe she's just at the store, right? Like, <laughs> but we, we, 
we jump to these conclusions. Um, so when we think about resiliency training, it's 14 skills that like, how do I go from where my, my thinking sometimes can be a little off to have more productive thoughts. Sure. And with, with, with military and law enforcement, you know, it's our brains are so naturally wired to go to negative counterproductive thoughts that we forget to think about some of those good things that happen, or we forget to think about gratitude, humility, um, you know, positive emotions. Is it okay after I've had a bad day to feel good or to have gratitude? Yeah, it is. But we tend to get stuck in this, like, well, I, I, I have to feel empathy all the time, or I have to be sad all the time, or I have to be angry all the time because that helps me protect myself from, from these experiences. Sure. Um, and, and that's not what we want, right? We want officers to to know that it's okay to, to ask for help. And then when they do ask for help to, um, to get that, that service or outreach, or sometimes it's just a good chat session, right? Yeah. I know Barb, I know Barb, um, you know, has done quite a few ride-alongs and officers will come from, you know, an hour, two hours away just to chat and say, this is, this is what I'm experiencing. I just need to let that off my chest and Hey, that's being resilient too. Um, so resiliency in itself, our program is research, you know, research based. It comes from UPenn, the FBI Academy adopted the Air Force model and, um, you know, the program in itself is a set of 14 skills, um, that, that talks about the, the mental wellness, physical wellness, social wellness. And I think that's big too. You know, we talk about social, um, uh, our social connections and the ability to have healthy networks um, so that way I can still optimally perform. But same with the military, you know, it, within law enforcement, there's still, um, you know, we talk about alcohol use and drug use and domestic violence and divorce. And those things happen because we don't have good social networks or we don't talk about, um, how this one thing or these combination of things have led to somebody drinking or abuse towards other people or um, those are heavy conversations. Yeah. And, and we're not saying that's wrong. We're saying this is a, this is a reaction to a lack of asking for help or a, a reaction because now all of a sudden I don't know how to process things. And it's, it's coming out towards other people, or maybe I'm just going to internalize it all. And the, the, the bottle becomes my new best friend, or now I am contemplating suicide and I have this gun in my hand or, you know, whatever weapon of choice. And I don't know how to stop these thoughts. Um, and, so, and that's where I'll oh, go ahead. So what I'm hearing is, I mean, there's always been, you know, there are, there are, thankfully now, um, and there have been for a while, but uh, it, it becomes uh, ever more uh, prevalent, I think, with uh, some of this wellness push. There are resources out there. Um, there are plenty of resources. Um, but I think the biggest push is trying to get people to utilize them and to reach out. So by you guys going in and training some of this stuff, um, I think it, it uh, number one, normalizes it a little bit. And number two, kind of gives somebody an intro 
uh, and a taste of it um, before they might make that step to reach out to themselves uh, or reach out for themselves uh, if they're going through a difficult time. So, you, you know, you go in and, and talk about, you talked about the 14 uh, things that, that uh, officers can do. And, you know, it's my understanding that you're, you're kind of giving them some, some tips on how to deal with stuff. You're also giving them some warning signs uh, that, that they might be dealing with an issue and then also allowing them to kind of normalize reaching out for help. So I think going out into the departments and you talked about officers driving just, just to chat with Barb and I think it just kind of normalizes it and it breaks down those barriers a little bit. So is that kind of, I mean, the main goal, not that everybody is going to, to sign on, but you know, initially at least, but at least it normalizes it a little bit and gives them the tools in their toolbox to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's a good way of putting it. We, that's how we kind of frame it with law enforcement uh, or with military. You know, yeah, you have a lot of different trainings you experience. You know, you, you go through CIT training. Maybe you go through other things that talk about um, wellness or resiliency or mental health. Those are all great things. And, and this, these skills are additional additional tools in your toolbox. You know, mm -hmm. one of the skills that we talk about um, is called active constructive responding. And, and this one tends to be the most powerful that I've seen in that. Think about our relationships and the people that are close to you, right? Whether you have a spouse, a girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, kids, um, your mom, dad, brother, sister, those kind of things. And if I come home from work and my kid comes and shares good news with me, like maybe they got an A on exam or maybe they won an award or, you know, they, they did something well in school that they got recognized for. But my immediate response is, that's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or, you know, that's good, but can we talk about this later? And then later never happens. Sure. Um, or the same with your spouse, you know, like your spouse maybe got promoted at work or something and your initial response is, that's good, I'm proud of you. And then nothing. Um, there's there's three ways that we tend to, to react. You know, we, we either maybe kind of downplay somebody's good news or we hijack somebody's good news or we use kind of like, um, uh, danger in a sense like if my son comes home and he's like hey dad i just bought a new car and i'm like what the fuck did you do that for <laughs> right like like you know like you're not do you know what you just did like or you know like my son um uh went on a date the other night like you need to be home by 10 o'clock or else <laughs> like you know like i'm stealing his good news and right um and then we wonder why we aren't close to people or if my kids start to not come to me anymore like why why hasn't you know why hasn't johnny or susie or whoever shared anything with me well the first five times that they tried to you completely shut them down hmm. or why are my spouse and i not communicating well when you when she tried to communicate or he tried to communicate and they shared something positive, you turn it into something negative. Or, hey, I just, just, just give me some time, or not today, or, well, not today becomes, you know, a week, a month, a couple years, um, and then we wonder why people get divorced. So sometimes it's not always about saying, well, all these bad things happen. Yeah, bad things do happen, 
but good things happen too. And with resiliency, we're trying to focus on hope, optimism, putting things into perspective. How do I move forward when my brain gets stuck so that way I can have productive relationships, whether that's that's at work, outside of work, so that way you can still be efficient in your roles to perform every day. How many how many departments are you working with right now in this pilot program? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we started with um, Manasha Police Department, so they were very open and welcome, and we've done, I think, at least... Uh, so we were working with them to do like a skill a month. So at least over the last year, we've been working with them. Uh, we went and did training for UW Health, uh, which was awesome. We went and did training for uh, fire, uh, fire uh, station down towards Milwaukee. Um, so I would say at least a half a dozen police departments in itself combined with other entities that um, – that are first responders and in some sort of first responder role. And what kind of feedback have you gotten from, from officers, from administration? Yeah. Um, you know, we did a, we did a three day training in at Middleton police department, uh, here in Madison. I live in Madison or outside of Madison. Um, and we understand that there's skepticism, right? There's a little skepticism that there's, you know, resiliency in itself. I think, has become this buzzword lately yep. um, and wellness and those kind of things. But for us, we went in and we did a, a three-day training and the the response and the stories that were shared, like I stand up there sometimes as a trainer and I say nothing. And when sure. we're talking about our families or relationships or processing trauma other officers speak to other officers, and that's that's exactly the outcomes that we want in saying, when you're going through this, this is what I've experienced, and this is how I've, how I've dealt with that situation, or here's what we've done as a police department, or it's all about those sharing stories to say, hey, we're all in this together. Now that I can feel that cohesiveness and that sense of togetherness, when I, when I walk out that door, one, I feel more prepared. Now I have additional tools. Now we know that, hey, we're struggling a little bit and that we can deal with this. Sure. One of the things that we did in Manasha, which was cool, um, we built a gratitude wall. So we talked about, hey, every day have your officers put a sticky about something that they're, they're grateful for. Um, so it started out a little surface layer, like I'm just grateful to be alive or I'm grateful <laughs> for, you know, the sandwich I had at lunch or, you know, those kind of things. But then after a few weeks, um, I remember one that said, I'm grateful that I was able to sit down with my wife and talk about my mental health. Mm. Like that was huge. Right. And, um, um, so those are the things that through this training that we've seen have been the most productive or the conversations that happen afterwards. Sure. And we've had at least 15 officers afterwards, like what you spoke about or what you shared or those stories, you know, whether we're talking about, um, counting your blessings or your thinking or relationships or, you know, the, the gamut of stuff that we talk about at least one of these skills speaks to somebody at a deeper emotional, spiritual level. And they come forward and say, I, I want to learn more about that. I want to know how to speak to my kids. I want to know how to listen. I want to know how to build relationships. And we've had at least 15 
officers ask for additional help. And that tells us that this works. Well, and from my experience, uh, you know, law enforcement uh, can be stubborn and uh, is, is, is suspicious of change or, or, you know, new programs and new that. So the fact that you had 15, I would say that, you know, you've reached many more. The fact that 15 reached out and actually did that uh, and, and made it a point to tell you that, you know, hey, this, this, this hit a note with me. Um, you can almost guarantee that that number is probably triple for the ones that it actually impacted that chose not to reach out because of uh, whatever reason. So I think that that in itself is 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 huge that you reached that many people in you know in this pilot program. And I think one thing to point out too uh, is what is the cost uh, to a department for you guys to provide this type of service to the department? Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. And I, I think in in today's budget world, uh, and I'm sure you've heard it, and uh, you know we hear it when we're working with different programs in law enforcement uh, throughout the state, is that sounds great, but we don't have any money. So I think that takes that excuse away from it. And that brings us to yeah. some recent legislation that you guys have worked with uh, to get introduced. Um, so we have, uh, it's, it's in Wisconsin, the, the current uh, legislative session, Senate Bill 679 and Assembly Bill 668. So tell us a little bit about those bills and, and what it does. Yeah. So, you know, in Wisconsin, we think about law enforcement, suicide, first responders, at least for law enforcement over the last four years, uh, there have been at least 20 suicides, right? And, and think about Unfortunately, a suicide, the back end is that it costs departments and agencies more money because now you have to spend time to hire, you might have to buy new equipment, you might have to spend time training and all of those other things. And, you know, data shows that one suicide costs um, about $1.2 million. Mm. Talk about loss of production and benefits and um, training and, and rehiring and, and all those other things. So the purpose of this bill is to say, we, you know, not not just at at our level, at the the agency level, but at a state level, legislators and communities and law enforcement and um, you know other agencies support resiliency training, and it'll provide the funding that we can continue to do this free of charge for for the entire state. Um, the you know, the bill would require some some data to collect on uh, talking about, you know, physical well-being and mental health and suicides. So that way we can get a better understanding of how suicide affects first responders. And this bill isn't just for law enforcement. You know, it's for first responders. So law enforcement, fire police, uh, dispatchers, anybody who serves in that role that we can provide this training to. Um, so we've, we've asked for uh, $250,000 annually over the next three years to provide this training, which would help us hire some full-time trainers some staff so that, that we can do this every day so that we can go out in wherever it is, whether you're talking about Bayfield County or all the way up in Superior or all the way down to, you know, Milwaukee or, you know, wherever, you know, so we want to, um, be able to do this more full-time and that's where the legislation comes in and when you've mentioned suicide numbers uh you said at least 
whenever you whenever you talk about those. And one of the things that this bill does is you mentioned on it is requiring data collection uh, from departments on on suicide. Uh, there's really detailed tracking of law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty. Um, you know, it's uh, they are there's national websites and databases uh, that that are dedicated to this, and you know, it's easy to find those numbers. Traditionally, it is difficult to find numbers of officers or first responders who who have committed suicide. And I think that's important to have that data. We know it's a problem. It's it's I mean it's, it's kind of the elephant in the room. And all of us in law enforcement have we we know people in the job who have who have taken their lives, but there's really no hard data on it. And it's hard to recognize and to, to address any problem unless you have that data. So I think all aspects of this bill are are certainly important, giving you guys the tools you need to continue what you're doing. But also, you know, equally important is is addressing or at least putting a number on that problem. And like you said, gathering some of the data, uh, looking at that, it's not just, yeah, we had an officer commit suicide. It's certain data points that might help you and, and everybody else recognize these are the people that that are, are, are doing this. And, you know, these are the people we need to. Uh, pay close attention to and or, you know, provide services to. So I, I think in any type of solution to a problem, understanding the problem and, and you know, really getting a, a, a firm grasp on how prevalent it is, is important as well. And, and, you know, this is a bill that is a first step type of a thing. So as this data becomes more available, you guys might be able to shift your training and respond appropriately to the data that we're actually seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's helping us, you know, pinpoint where, where we can really focus, you know, not just data, but saying if now that I have a better understanding of the picture, how can we continue to evolve? How can we continue to provide support and resources and those kind of things you know like my background is social work and i understand there's you know this movement to be like hey let's put more social workers in police departments and and that'll solve it and mm -hmm. like well not quite like yeah as a social worker i want to support that but not any social worker can just go in and and work with law enforcement right it's, right. It, it's a whole different kind of set of skills and training and tools that that social worker will need to understand um and with data, it's helping it's helping leadership understand and saying that yeah, I need to have maybe provide more more support for my officers, and then not 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 wholeheartedly relying on data because that's why I say at least sometimes data is old, sometimes it doesn't get reported. Right. So you know, especially with with some of these you know statistics and things, um, you know. 20 is a number that that we can track there's there's a whole bunch of other data that, that that we're not tracking and when we think about cost analysis well if we can save more money on the front end by providing mental health services or outreach or support groups or all of those things then that's more money that's going to go back to your department that's more money that that you're going to save um and i don't you know we don't want to turn this into a financial thing but there is that cost analysis and there's that support that you're providing to your to your officers, but then that's going to help support your community 
and now we're building a more well-rounded approach to to how do we maintain and sustain those relationships with our communities yeah well maybe it's through resiliency and providing these services or training um to these departments at no cost to them so that way they can maintain the the excellent work that they that, that you guys do every day well and i think you know it, it certainly is a a statewide issue and and i think that's why this this these bills address it appropriately at the at the state legislative level um there's been a lot of discussion um over the you know the past year or so about police reform and reforming law enforcement and um kind of uh you know whether whether right or wrong i think that uh we we prefer to call it police improvement uh you know we think that uh, we are very proud of law enforcement in wisconsin and uh, they are some of the highest trained and uh, the most professional in the country but there's always room for improvement in, in any field so i think that seeing this as a way is an investment into law enforcement because if you have officers out there that are dealing with or, or rather not dealing with trauma and aren't you know both physically and mentally prepared to do the job and encounter the type of things that they have you're exactly right that that has a strain on community relations it has a strain on the people that we serve and it has a strain on the officers and their families and an investment like this into the well-being of officers uh, has has been overlooked in this whole you know conversation so I'm excited to see it and uh, you know it's I, I certainly uh, we're going to continue to support these bills however we can and uh, and make you know law enforcement continue to be um, you know a, a standard in the nation Wisconsin law enforcement and I think that uh, these investments uh, like I said before this is just a first step in investing in our workforce in in Wisconsin and everywhere in the country, but uh, Wisconsin has hit hard with recruitment and retention issues. Uh, we're seeing recruitment numbers significantly down, people that want to get into the profession, and also recruitment. People are leaving uh, pre-retirement age or as soon as they hit the retirement age, where traditionally, you know, that wasn't as big of an issue. So I think this can also help address that if officers are feeling better about their life, about their job, and in about the work that they do, uh, we can we can help solve that problem as well, or at least uh, contribute to it. So, I think what is the timeline of this bill right now? I know that they've been introduced, and they're both uh, in committees right now. So, what what is your anticipated timeline for these bills? Yeah, you bring up a great point too, because when we talk about these bills, you know, we, we often we, we talk about retention, and we want officers to stay on the job, um, and so where we're at right now, the bills have been introduced and they're, and they're getting some traction, which is which is excellent. And our goal is to hopefully get into a hearing, hopefully within the next week or two before um, Christmas. And then after the new year, try to get a, a vote into the Senate and, a, and into the Senate and Assembly to vote this through uh, before the session closes. So, you know, for us, this has been about a two-year process to get um, to get trained ourselves in the FBI Academy model to be trainers and then to uh, reach out to legislators and to get a bill on paper and, and to see that it's introduced is really exciting. Um, so those bill numbers, um, you know, Assembly Bill 668 like, that you mentioned and Senate Bill 679, um, 
So what we could really use help with is reaching out to your legislators. Mm. Um, I like to go to the Wisconsin State Legislator homepage, right on their homepage. Uh, it's legis.wisconsin.gov. Um, it says, who are my legislators right there? You enter your address and by map, it'll pull up your assembly and Senate member um, who, who are who, who are your legislators. Sure. So reach out to them, you know, it, you know, whether you're a constituent, whether you were in leadership, whether you're a spouse or, you know, whatever role you have, contact them and say, please support this, this bill, because, um, you know, maybe I'm a survivor of suicide and I've lost a loved one and I don't want to see that happen again. Or maybe you just support law enforcement. And uh, so the more support and pressure we can put on um, the legislators to push this through, then that's going to help us help everybody. Well, and I think this is, you bring up a great point is, is, it doesn't just have to be law enforcement that reach out to their legislators. Obviously, our listeners, anybody in law enforcement, but friends and family, too, they can you know, reach out to or supporters of law enforcement to reach out and say, this is important to us. This is important to law enforcement. And and it really is. Uh, I mean, it's a bipartisan, uh, you know, a thing that uh, both sides of the aisle can get behind uh, because it's it's supporting, you know, law enforcement and making improvements uh, for the, for the well being of our officers. So yeah, if all of our listeners, uh, that website again was legis, L E G I S dot Wisconsin dot gov type in your address. You can find out who your representatives, uh, your representative and your state Senator are, um, drop them a line and let them know that these bills assembly bill six, six, eight and Senate bill six seventy nine are important to you and ask them, uh, as your representative to support this because, uh, uh, again, you've you've heard from Mike here that this is this is just getting started, and they want to provide these services at no cost to officers in their department. Policy is is I think one of those things that um, sometimes people you know people have different beliefs, and if we think about things that have happened over the last year, two years, you know, legis legislation is important. And this is how we can impact change. And this is how we can provide uh, a good quality service. Um, from my research, you know, we went to the state of New Jersey and the state of New Jersey mandated that every one of their officers and um, individuals who um, work with their um um, you know, lawyers and first responders and um, all of them get resiliency training. So they were the first state that really um, legislatively supported resiliency. And we want to be the next state to do that. And then hopefully we can be another model for other states to follow. Mike, how do they get a hold of you or the Center, Center for Suicide Awareness? The Center for Suicide Awareness, you can find us online, you know, www.centerforsuicideawareness.org. Um, you can reach out to me. My email is Mike at Center for Suicide Awareness.org. Um, and there's a, you know, um, a place on our website that you can um, reach out to us as well. You can send a quick message and we're, we're really good at responding back to those those messages. Um, if you want training, right, reach out and we can certainly set up training or an overview of what the training looks like. And then, um, you know, it, it's 12 skills. 
it's not, it doesn't have to be all at once. You know, we work with the police department to do one skill a month or, um, you know, we can do two days or three days or a, a three hour workshop or eight hour workshop, you know, very flexible in that sense. We would just really want to get this out there so that way we can start providing, um, the, not just the training, but providing, um, the care afterwards and, and, you know, really saving lives at the end of the day. And that's what it's all about at the, you know, like you said, uh, you know, you can talk about the financial and the, and all the other benefits, but at, at the end of the day, it's about saving lives. And, uh, we thank you for your work and your passion, uh, to assist, you know, law enforcement in the first responder community, uh, your work with the center for suicide awareness, your work on this legislation. Um, I know being involved in the legislative processes is often not easy and it's frustrating. Uh, so the fact that you guys have gotten this far uh, is is a testament to the work that you've put into it. And, and as I said earlier, uh, the Wisconsin FOP will continue to support it. So thank you so much for your time. Mike Crum, Center for Suicide Awareness. Uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future as uh, hopefully this thing gets passed, these bills get passed, and you guys continue to expand your work uh, throughout Wisconsin. Absolutely. Anything that we can do for... You know, law enforcement, first responders, we are um, always ready to come and step in and, you know, collaborate and network. And um, that's what we're here for. So thanks for having us. Thank you for your time. This show is brought to you by the Wisconsin Fraternal Order of Police. Follow us on social media and visit us at WIFOP.org. Thank you for stopping by the briefing room. For more information on topics you heard about in today's show, go to wifop.org slash the briefing room. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating.